The rats are absolutely going to hate this announcement. The rats don't run this city. We do. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to MySpace. And we're so excited to be back here. We're your hosts. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Shayla. And it just happens to be the happiest Wednesday ever, doesn't it? Because we're here. <laughs> mm. Anyways, so <laughs> how was your weekend? How was your your travels? Tulum, right? Yeah, I went to Tulum this weekend. It was super cool. Shout out to Jordan. Everyone say happy birthday. She turned 28 last weekend. Shout out. Um, Tulum is, it's a pretty cool place, honestly. I think that the food there sucks. I would say definitely if you are eating in Tulum, you want to go to the local spots because the spots on the strip are overhyped and mm. super expensive and everything's mm. like weirdly undercooked even like mm. even like rice and pasta like I had this dish that had rice in it and it was like the hardest piece of rice ever maybe that's because it wasn't undercooked maybe it had just been like sitting out <laughs> no because like <clears throat> I don't think it was like sitting out. I just think that they just didn't know how to cook. Like, mm. tell me why my pasta was like super al dente. And if it's Disgusting. super al dente, it's raw. Yeah. Can you give us a rate on the food overall? Okay. We ate one really good spot called Burrito Amor. I would rank that 10 out of 10 because it was the Beautiful. best food we had. You go from all that to a 10 out of 10 experience. No, that's just, okay, listen, I was saying 10 out of 10 for that place only. That's, and that mm. was a local spot. That was a local spot. Okay. <laughs> the other places we ate at that were on the strip, zero out of 10. Tantra, they did have good sushi at the day club. Which is weird because usually sushi in Mexico is a hit or miss. But I can say that the sushi was good because Jordan even liked it. <gasps> she thought it was bussin'. Whoa, Jordan eats fish? Yes, she ate some cooked sushi. It was good. She oh said my it gosh. was good. She had like five pieces. Wow. Yeah, pretty much a whole roll. Hmm. That's very impressive. Shout out. We're impressed because Jordan eats like a child sometimes, most times. Um, Shout out, Jordan. Love you. How was Barrister's weekend? Mm, I did go to Chicago this weekend and I did attend Barrister's. And it was good. Honestly, as soon as I stepped off the plane into Chicago, it just felt like I was in a whole nother universe. Because... <clears throat> Just the energy that Chicagoans bring versus LA individuals. Can you tell I just us really, more? Um, yeah, of course. In LA, it's almost like it's almost like everybody, everybody's like high energy on its face, but it's it's literally only on its face. And so I'm high energy all the time. So like 
I'm out here with energy and I'm going to have energy all the time. And then people will match my energy, but then it'll go down mm-hmm. immediately. And I'm just like, oh, so you don't actually act like that. Like, you're scary. Like, why are you changing up like that? Like, <laughs> but in <laughs> the Midwest, like when you walk up to somebody, they're either going to be nice or they're going to be mean. They're not going to do anything fake and out of their personality. And so there's a lot less energy like mine, but there's a lot more authentic energy, which I feel like I don't get enough of in LA. Yeah. And so it did really just feel like my soul was rejuvenated this weekend. Um, I got to see all my friends. It was a really good time. Um, went to El Che. Way go. Jealous. Yeah, that was really good. You were out here eating good. I was out there eating in poverty. Yeah, I don't have anything to add because that is true. <laughs> no, it was just really good to be back. I'm I'm like upset to be back in LA, but <laughs> all right. Uh, have you read the Julia Fox book? Yes, um, down the drain, right? This book is incredible. Honestly, I have so much respect for Julia Fox now. For those of you who don't know who Julia Fox is, she is an Italian-born American. She's from New York City. She moved to America when she was about six years old. And from there, she struggled in her early life with addiction issues. And then eventually, she were to go on to be a dominatrix. And then finally, she became an actress and model that we know her as today. Yeah. She has been grinding basically her entire life and she's an icon. Like there's nothing, I read the book and there's nothing else for me to say besides she's an icon and she didn't deserve a lot of the things she went through in her life, but she took them and she rose above them. And honestly, kudos. Yeah. They just don't make celebrities like that anymore. They don't make Mm -mm. them out rough. Mm -mm. There's way too many Nepo babies this time. They don't, the the celebrities these days, all the Nepo babies, they don't know what it's like to struggle. They don't know what it's like to grind. And I feel like to be a good celebrity, you need to know what it is like to not be a celebrity. Yeah, Julia Fox is iconic. She literally started from the bottom of American society, and now she's pretty damn near the top of our society. And she fought so hard to get there she fought through so many horrible people so many horrible men just mistreating her and then when she finally was approaching the top of our society they tried to knock her down by bringing everything that she had gone through back up and just trying to destroy her image it's disgusting honestly and so yeah today we're going to talk about julia fox's book down the drain and we're going to start with her childhood trauma and her parents and grandparents and how that helped shape her. So do you want to take it away, Ilya? Yeah. First of all, I can say that her grandparents, they really did have her back. Um, when she first moved to America when she was six, they were actually homeless. It was her, her little brother, and her dad. And they all lived on her dad's boat, which didn't have heat didn't have power, no electricity, and it was in the middle of the winter in New York City. So that's no place to have a family. To have a child, let alone two. 
yeah, yeah, when I was listening, it was really shocking to know that she was living in that kind of situation when she was so young. She remarks about how she only really heard her parents talk when they argued about money, which led her to learn how to steal, to survive. And she would steal money from her parents and she would steal things and clothes from stores that her and her brother needed before her mom decided to take her and her brother back to Italy. And in Italy, she shared a studio apartment with her, her grandpa, her mom, and her brother. So that's kind of how her living situations kind of like set the stage for some other things that she would fall victim to just because of her socioeconomic class. There's a higher risk for addictions. Yeah. Wait, so how many people were living in the studio apartment? You said her mom, her brother, her, and her grandfather? Yeah, so four. Which isn't, that's a lot of people in a studio. Yeah, that's insane. I can't imagine two people living in a studio, but four? That's insanity. That's so much. Um. So when her dad, didn't she move back to America with her dad? Yeah, he did come and get her, and they finally had, like, an apartment. Yeah, and she had an apartment, and then she had her own room, I remember. But then he, then that's when she met her first best friend. Yeah, Mia. Mia. And she didn't like her at first because she dropped something when she was walking into school, and Mia laughed, and she said, and she laughed a little too hard. <laughs> and then like they're literally like six years old and she was like and so I don't trust her <laughs> but then she <laughs> earned her trust back by doing something that children should not have been doing <laughs> and they were besties ever since yeah so like let's kind of like get into some of the things that she would be doing in her early childhood I think we already kind of touched on the fact that she was a robber and a thief and I think I remember listening to her book and she said something about if they dress up like private school girls no one will suspect that they're stealing and they would steal a lot like they would steal like felonies worth of clothing for sure they would go into the dressing room with piles of clothes they said and rip out the tags with their teeth leaving just a small hole in the fabric that's what she sounds like and they wouldn't (laughs) care and they would walk out with like true religions and like Ed Hardy that was like hot back then and just like she only got caught they started getting caught once didn't they get caught once no I think she was successful like most of her childhood and then she started having all those rich friends so I think that's when she like her stealing went down because her friends started like I think she started stealing from her friends or her friends started giving her clothes (laughs) Yeah, I think it was like, I don't think she ever stole from her friends because she respected them. But I think that they would give her clothes. She did teach her friend Trish how to steal, which I guess shout out to being a good friend as best as the friend you can be at that point in your life. Because Trish had like a horrible mom who was really abusive and Trish only had one outfit. And so she taught her how to steal clothes and steal food for herself. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Well, this is going to be like a random point that I thought about, but Julia Fox had nothing 
but she taught her friend how to steal. Honestly, you can help your friends out. You should just, <laughs> you can help them out. It doesn't matter if you don't want to. Like, I think if that was me, I would help my friend steal too. Like if we were both just down bad and my friend was getting abused, I'd be like, yo, dude, I can get you some clothes. Of I may course. not have money, but you don't need money. That's what her whole book is about. You don't need money. You just need drive. I mean, definitely the last part about just needing drive. I don't know if the first part is about it because I think money was the root of a lot, a lot, a lot of her problems. So I think she would beg to differ that she could have used with a tad more money than she was blessed with. But mm, you missed that, didn't you? I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with the last part about drive, but mm, I think Julia might disagree with the first part about not needing money because that was like the root of a lot, a lot of her problems. And so I think she could have done with like a tad more money than she had. I, I'm not saying she needed bucket loads. But maybe just a little more. Um, but she she definitely she definitely was a good friend because if she wanted to, she would have and she did. She saw her friend needed help and she was like, Trish, I got you. Let's go. Bloomingdale's. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bloomingdale's is where she got caught because later in the book she goes back to Bloomingdale's and she said that she was banned from the store. Kanye had rented out the floor for her or she was doing um, a photo shoot there. I think it was both at one point in time. Kanye was later in the book, but before she was doing like an ad campaign and Bloomingdale's and she was scared they were going to see that she was banned for life from that exact Bloomingdale's. <laughs> no, but honestly, what if 180, you go from being banned to being in their commercial years later? Honestly, I'm not surprised. Julia Fox was a good, per no, is a good person. I'm not, I'm saying it like she's dead, guys. Her book is really dramatic. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Julia Fox is a good person. She always and probably still does give the universe the, the best energy. Like she, she believed in like karmic revenge. Like she hardly did like any like notably bad things. I mean, like she did a lot of bad things, but like malicious things to other people on purpose that weren't for her gain. And, like, she would be like, oh, the universe is going to get me this time. And I'm just like, yeah, maybe. Maybe. And she always tried to put good energy out there. <clears throat> Circling back, yeah, thinking about it, she really never did anything malicious to anyone else. I think her whole karmic revenge was on herself because she had a lot of self-destructive behaviors Hence her drug addiction. I think there were about three or four times in the book that she OD'd. So she kind of played with life and death a lot and had a lot of spirituality moments. What did you think about yeah. that? 
yeah, I thought that was interesting. The first time she OD'd, she said that she saw, like she was on the other side and everything or on a path to the other side. And then the second time she OD'd, I remember she was freaking out and she was scared because she was a drug addict and she was like, I saw nothing. And so she thought she was being like punished because she still continued to do drugs. And sometimes she would like make promises to God and she would break them and she would feel entirely terrible until her best friend and seemingly true love OD'd. And then she was like, I'm never touching an opioid again. Which she did touch an opioid after that, but she didn't touch heroin, which was her um, heroin was her like drug of choice. She did do a little bit of pills after that. But when Harmony died, she was like, oh, no, for real this time. Because I feel like she might have kind of believed because she was making all of those promises to God that the reason that her friends were now dying was might have been because she did not keep her promise to God. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I do agree with that as well. But um, also, I think she was able to relieve some of the guilt that she might have felt from her friends dying because she did go to that Long Island medium. She said, I think she was able to relieve some of the guilt of her friends dying around her and them being drug addicts because, well, at least before Harmony died, because when Jonna died, the girl that she loved and the girl that was with her through like uncut gyms and everything, she went to that Long Island medium in New York. And she said that she had gone to a couple mediums because she was just so down bad and distraught. And this one was pretty legit and he gave her legit signs and he knew things that he shouldn't have known and she said that that's when because like, he told her it wasn't her fault he said that jonna's jonna was never gonna make it which was like intense yeah. in and of itself to me because if just jonna had just a really really hard life and she was so young jonna was about 20 20 blah, blah. Donna was about 24 years old when she passed away. That is incredibly young. And it's so sad to see young people pass away from addictions because I don't think it's talked enough about what the psychic actually did say. That sometimes addictions are battles that we don't win all the time. Sometimes our demons are greater than we are. That's true. Yeah, so... Be nice to everyone because you never know what they're going through. Exactly. Just being like malicious in general. Like if you don't want to be nice to be nice to someone else, at least do it just to like selfishly bring in good energy maybe if that's what you're about. Actually, I don't think that would get you good karma anyways because you're still being selfish. Just be nice. Yeah, but how about if you don't have anything nice to say, then just shut up. That's true. Or sometimes, I think that is true, but sometimes if you don't have anything nice to say, I think you should say it, depending on who you're talking to. I think sometimes people just deserve to know the truth, and that's my opinion. So your opinion is bullying works sometimes. No, absolutely not. I am the president of the SMHA, 
at Northwestern Law. That is the Student Mental Health Alliance. I cannot believe that you would try to put that name on me. I'm disgusted. That in and of itself is likely bullying. Oh my gosh. Can I get an apology then? Because that was crazy. Capital Z. Yeah, I can apologize. It's a genre. Not everybody belongs on the Rasta. <laughs> You're supposed to apologize for calling me a bully. Okay, I'm sorry for calling you a bully. Not accepting, but thanks anyways. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, back to business. Oh, yeah. Since we've cleared that up, so we just finished wrapping up talking about Jana and Harmony and kind of some of the darker parts of Julia's life. But she also had some ups, but she also had some dark sides to the ups as well. Like she did become a sugar baby, um, Rohan, and she truly did love this man. And he truly did love her and he cared for her and all of her friends. And it was one of the first times in her life that she felt completely secure. And she just wasn't in danger. She got a loft with two of her best friends. He paid for it. They would go to dinners. And it was just a really lighthearted part of the book because she was able to see all of her dreams coming to fruition. She was she thought that her life was so unreal because she's never had she's never seen anything like this. And so she was a pretty successful sugar baby there for a second. Yeah. But the darker side to being a sugar baby, which she shows in her book, is that even though it was the most secure she's ever felt in her life, it was the most out of control she's also ever felt in her entire life, especially as her sugar daddy slowly over time started to get more and more feelings for her. He now was threatening to take certain aspects of her life away if she didn't comply, like he had her on a certain diet. She could only wear certain clothes. She could only have certain friends. Mm. She thought that he was crazy. Yeah, so we really wanted to bring up this topic because she was a sugar baby. Because it is very popular in our generation to be like, oh my god, I just need a sugar daddy. And even though she did highlight in her books the ups that she felt from that, she also highlighted the downsides. especially. When her and Rohan started to get closer, she never really was into him that much romantically as he was into her. And because he had all the money, he was paying for her apartments, her clothes, her friends' clothes, investing in her businesses, giving her an allowance. He was able to take that away all in a second if he was upset with her. And so she felt like there was a lot of pressure on her to be the most perfect girl, to listen to everything that he says, to always wear the clothes that he wants to wear, eat the foods that he wants her to eat. And he really, if she didn't do any of that, all of her stuff would get taken away from her fashion line he's investing in, her home. Yeah, and she talks about how she felt guilty because she made her friends 100% reliant on him as well. And so she felt like she had to stay in the relationship even longer because of how dependent they were on him. But she did eventually break up with Rohan. He did become like psycho after, I believe, but he chilled out. Yeah, he still continued to pay for the apartment. 
he eventually honestly i feel like rohan he just really liked her and he, there was their power dynamic was extremely unhealthy but after he got a new girlfriend he continued to pay for her apartment to the point where after she moved to louisiana she moved back into the same apartment that he was still paying for yeah and it wasn't cheap and she was in louisiana for like six months and it was 10k a month <laughs> Yeah, honestly, that's just how dope of a person she was. She wasn't even there. She just disappeared. Julia has an electric dynamic with all of her partners, I feel like. All of her partners feel just this electrifying love towards each other. I don't know. Maybe it's because she's an Aquarius. I don't know much about Aquarius women, but. No, she has a Taurus moon. Interesting. Taurus is exalted in the moon. I've looked at her birth chart and she's actually like a very water person. Like that, she's not really an air sign. That girl, her chart is mainly water. Hmm. What's her Venus? Capricorn. Hmm. Her Mars is in Capricorn. Her Mercury is in Capricorn. This girl is a Capricorn. That's why she's gotten to where she is. She has an exalted Mars. And Capricorn and an exalted moon in Taurus. So she yeah. really, yeah, so she's really up there spiritually. Her chart's honestly a slay. Hmm. I love that for her. And she's like the karmic ruler. So her, oh my God, her chart's actually so interesting. So I'm looking at it right now. She has a Saturn in Capricorn. And Capricorn's ruled by Saturn. That means Daddy Saturn had this girl's back. If she would have been malicious and stuff like that, she would have been dead. Honestly, she would not. Yeah, because she OD'd so many times, and her friends OD'd, <laughs> yeah. and they did not make it. Like every time her friend OD'd, like they did not make it, and she OD'd four times, and she was chilling on each yeah, one of every them. Single she would leave time. the hospital when she woke up. Yeah. Yeah, she would. We'll have to do like a Zodiac episode so we can talk to you about like what all of this stuff kind of means when we're discussing some of her more prominent chart placements. Hmm, that would be fun. Okay, Queen, are you about ready to wrap it up? Heck yeah. All right, guys, you can find us on Instagram at MySpace underscore podcast, MySpace, S-P-A-S-E, an S instead of a C. And you can find me, Shayla, on Instagram at Shayla Scott underscore S-H-A-Y-L-A-H. Don't forget the H. And Aaliyah, where can they find you on Instagram? So it's going to be my name, Aaliyah, A-A-A-1. A-L-Y-I-A-A-A-1. Nice. Bye, guys. We'll see you next week. See you later.